0: You are listening to The Bird Calls on the Off the Glass, Nothing But Net, and 5x5 podcast networks. For more on your pelicans, go to iTunes, search The Bird Calls, and subscribe today. What's up, Hells fans? Welcome to another edition of the Bird Calls. I'm your host and contributor to thebirdrights.com, Preston Ellis. And today we've got some news. We are talking Tyrone Wallace, Darius Morris, as well as the rest of the bodies that make up the complete 20 man training camp roster as it sits right now. To help me do it, we have the editor in chief to thebirdrights.com, the man who went into debt just so he could serve his lovely lady the perfect dinner, Mr. Ali Cosell. How you doing, man? What's up, Preston? Hey, my
2: biggest problem nowadays is I go into stores or restaurants and I kind of just want to pay for half my meals because, you know, these partially...
1: I'm Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. We help men deal with the life changes triggered by divorce, such as child custody and property division, among many others. But life changes also occur after divorce. These changes can make parts of your existing court order irrelevant or harder to follow. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. We're a partner men can count on.
0: Contact Cordell, Cordell.com. 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404.
2: Partially guaranteed contracts that the pelicans have been doling out. I kind of <laughs> want to get in on this action.
0: Oh, that's a good <laughs> tip. What what if you pay for half your meal and then if your meal doesn't uh, suit up to your liking, uh, shall we say, then you just send it back and you get another meal. How does that sound if to you, Or you're Kevin? full
2: and you only eat like half of it and you don't really want to take it home because nobody likes leftovers, right?
0: I like this. I like this line of thinking. Uh, Let's go over to a man, speaking of food, who hasn't had carbs or sugar in over a week, but his wonderful health still hasn't deterred him from trying to trade Etuan more, Mr. Kevin Berias.
3: (laughs) I haven't been trying to trade Etuan more, no matter what this guy tells you. Um, I'm doing well. How are you?
0: I'm good, man. Uh, I was just uh, relaying that conversation I think you were having with Ryan Aber on Twitter where you said you guys had been secretly colluding to trade Etuan more uh, no. behind our backs.
3: Uh, we were having a chat earlier, a private discussion, and then uh, he said that he thought that Etuan was probably going to be the guy that gets part, is part of a trade package. You know, I hope I'm not ruining anything for Ryan here, but uh, that, you know, he thinks Etuan's more likely be shipped out than I think Solomon Hill because of uh, his value and the contract he's on to upgrade at the wing. Um, so yeah, it was just a little joke that you I, I said be careful Preston probably hears everything uh, and, <laughs> and then you kind of had a, when Adam not really when Adam but you know you were like adding on to what he had said sort of trying to put your point of view in on something he said and I said see that's uh, that's what happened <laughs> Preston's listening in he's coming at you already
0: my antenna is always active to any E one more conversations being had uh let's let's round out our group uh finally we've got the man who i believe is filling himself on louisiana high school football this weekend a lot of images on instagram from mandeville highs exploits this weekend mr david grubb of crescent city sports how was your weekend
4: it was pretty good you know thursday wake forest beat two lanes so i was happy and then uh, <laughs> high school football season started so it's always it's interesting, especially when you're looking at one of the best teams in the state. But, you know, my heart is always with basketball, paying attention to what the Pelicans are up to. And they've been Dave, up to what happened in
2: Michigan? What happened in Michigan? <laughs> I don't want to talk about
4: that. It's just one game. We got like 12 more. So, How many teams do you have rooting interest in at this point? Well, I was born in Michigan. I've been a Michigan fan since, you know, that's in my blood. And then Wake Forest is where I went to school. So,
0: you know, that's it. That's all. That's all. And you're also a Knicks fan. You are all over the map, my friend.
4: Patrick Ewing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right, you guys. You can follow David at DM Grub as well as Crescent City Sports. Kevin at Kevin B for Balance and at Ali CoSell. Let's get to the story uh, today. But before we do that, just a quick reminder: our podcast has moved. It's still available on Blog Talk Radio, but now our new host site is Spreaker. This means that our pod is now available to you on Spotify and iHeartRadio, in addition to all the other fun places that you guys probably get your podcasts from. Uh, you know, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, that sort of thing. Android users can also directly access it from the Spreaker app. So hopefully this makes things a bit easier for everybody. All right, Ali, Tyrone Wallace, you ready? Let's go.
2: Talk. Go, baby. (laughs) What do you want to know?
0: Uh, First of all, uh, I I know that you interviewed our friend Robert Flom, the editor-in-chief over at... SB nations. Um, I'm trying to think of what the Los Angeles Clippers site is called clips nation. That's right. And uh, I'm going to have him on the podcast. Should we solidify this signing? But uh, you know, he's a guy's he's a guy with length six, five uh, Defense is is going to be his strong suit. He can switch between one, two, and three in that regard, just a longer player, uh, very similar uh, in, to the mold of a Will Barton in that kind of herky jerky offensive style. Uh, Ali, why don't you share some of your insights about Ty Wallace and some of the stuff that you were you were relayed from uh, Robert Flom of our friend at Clips Nation.
2: Well, actually, I just took a lot of material that he had written up on the season review. I didn't actually talk to him, but I have been on a podcast with him with you, remember? We've had him on before, I think. So, uh, that, you know, that aside, I think what I want to talk to you about is just tell you the details of how it happened and when it when he may actually join the PEL, because I think Kevin should actually go into depth, because I know Kevin tweeted out a bunch of good stuff on him. So I think what Pelicans fans really need to know is that we've got about another day of waiting to find out whether the Clippers are going to match a Pelicans offer, you know, under the collective bargaining agreement teams have up to two days to match an offer on a restricted free agent. Uh, and we've learned that it's really not that that high of an offer or high of a bar to meet. It's just a minimum contract, which we all knew, but the Pelicans are only um, guaranteeing 300,000. Um, basically I, I think they're going to, that would be owed to him if they were to get him in about a week's time And he would then basically act like just like any other partially non-guaranteed type of player, which is kind of impressive considering this guy came out of nowhere and did really hold his own for the Los Angeles Clippers when he basically had no good uh, teammates in the backcourt with him. He was entrusted by Doc Rivers to run an offense and play defense. And like I said, he held his own. So it's kind of surprising he wasn't even able to uh, parlay that into a minimum contract, a fully guaranteed minimum contract anywhere else. So the Pelicans might be able to strike Golden. According to everybody else, uh, it looks like it's likely to happen that the Pelicans will steal him away. And for the simple reason, the Clippers have way too many guys on their roster. They've currently got 15 guaranteed contracts. I'm, I'm not even counting Patrick Beverly. So the likelihood is the Clippers just have to let him go. You know, they, they don't want to cut maybe a more promising player or maybe they haven't been able to make a trade. And it's probably unlikely that one's going to happen now. Since we're technically, you know, they say the free agency period kind of dies off at the end of August. Uh, So, you know, it's looking like the Clippers are going to lose him to the Pelicans for nothing. So but in terms of the details, you've already kind of mentioned the bull points. And I haven't really looked into him other than he's just a good defender. He's uh, really looks for his shot only in transition. And uh, he's he's kind of a cutting type. So he kind of reminds me of a better Tony Allen, a younger Tony Allen, maybe. Uh, But I think Kevin's got better details. So I'm going to throw it over to him.
0: All right, go for it, Kev
3: yeah I mean um, I think last off season, everybody was looking for um outside shooting to add to this team, and I wrote a thing you know sort of tongue in cheek in the title uh that um shooting is overrated, and the whole goal of that was saying that what they should be looking for is uh rangy defenders who are also good ball handlers and I think if you look at what they've added this off season, it looks like that's sort of the model that they're going after. Um, When you're seeing guys like uh, Alfred Payton, who I had suggested last offseason, Tyrone Wallace, uh, Williams that they've added, uh, you know, even guys like Garland Green. These kind of guys are like guys that can handle the ball a little bit, have have some uh, length and have at least defensive uh, like mechanics that look like they could be good defensive players or they have some pedigree of being a good defensive player and i think that's the route they're going they're looking for hustle guys guys that provide defensive versatility that can be secondary playmakers can take over playmaking for a little bit but aren't necessarily looking to pound the ball um and i think one of the things when you look at Tyrone Wallace which i was looking at today is you know we've seen um you know kumar over at uh, bss has been writing all summer about um how the Pelicans offense is geared to quick strikes and he's looking at early offense. And that's why one reason they went after Alfred Payton, he has really good early offensive numbers. Well, Tyrone Wallace also has very good early offensive numbers. Then if you look at his hustle stats, you know, he's uh He's got a lot of deflections per game. Um, He was actually second on the Clippers last year in in amount of deflections per game um, at 2.2, which is pretty good. He contests 7.3 shots per game. He recovered 1.6 loose balls. So he's definitely an active guy who plays hard and does those little things. Um, And that's what you really need on a team where you're going to have guys like Drew Holiday, Anthony Davis, Nikola Miritich, and Julius Randle and even Etwan Moore doing a bulk of the scoring. Um, You're going to need guys doing the little dirty work things and he fits perfectly in that mold. And I think it's, you know, it's a really good signing. Um, I had watched maybe five or six of his game, you know, games that he's played in this season. And he was always a guy that I thought would have, uh, you know, would show up to be a hustle guy based off eyeball test. But now I looked at the numbers and it seems to back it up. And I even saw a quote from, um, Doc Rivers, I was watching an interview with him after a game against Sacramento where, where he sealed the game with a steal and a dunk, and he was talking about how his basketball IQ was so high because he read the situation perfectly, explained to him how he saw, you know, what exactly was going to happen. He was able to play off of the passing lane, then he jumped into it at the right moment, stealing the ball, and then uh, getting a clean dunk to close out the game. So he's that kind of heady player that, you know, um, that we need on this team.
0: All right, David, you're up next.
4: Um, you know, I, I think that, um, you know, just looking over his stats, like I said, over those last 29 games, you do see a lot of athleticism. You see that length. Uh, and, and I think the attractiveness, you know, because of the minimum salary is that a lot of people do think that there's an opportunity to, at, at the guard position, at the wing position um, with the Pelicans. So I think he, he's enthusiastic about coming here. A uh, great opportunity for him to play. Uh, uh Like Kevin and Ali both said that I think the skill set fits in with what they've been trying to do with their secondary players is have guys who can guard multiple positions and can run uh, and be athletic in the open floor. So he does all those things and he shoots a decent percentage from three point range. He's not going to take a he's not going to be a volume shooter from out there, but you don't you're not feeling, um, you know, you're not feeling bad if he's taking a wide open shot or one within the rotation of the offense. So I think, you know, I think he's a good pickup, you know, is, is he a difference maker? Who who knows? Who knows what his ceiling is, but the Clippers thought he had potential. They just couldn't get a deal done with him. So I think for, obviously for the price, I think the Pelicans got a good deal and they got a good
0: player. All right, before we expand on to where he fits within the Pelicans roster, I just want to give you guys some tidbits that I got from both Josh Riddell of NBA Draft Express as well as Zach Lowe, who wrote about him just a few months ago, uh, I think on March 2nd specifically, and then even gave the Pelicans a shout out for a nice signing uh, yesterday on Twitter. Josh Riddell writes Defensively is where Wallace has real merit as an NBA prospect, as his size and length gives him the potential to guard multiple positions. He's willing to move his feet on the perimeter, fight through screens, and not quit on the play when he is beaten off the dribble, he goes on to expand from that. You guys can find that on NBA draft express. This is what Zach Lowe wrote. Uh, he said, Wallace makes quick decisions, smart passes and instant catch and go drives that show a sophisticated understanding of how and when rotating defense expose corridors. Wallace has hit eight of nine on isolation plays per synergy sports, his jagged, arrhythmic off the bounce game confounds defenders. And then just to give you guys some details on the contract itself he was a restricted agent on a two-way contract for the Clippers, so this is essentially a promotion for him. It's a two-year, $2.9 million minimum salary offer sheet that reported by Ian Bagley and Shams Terrania. Uh, the Clippers can match it, but as Ali uh, prefaced, they have 15 guaranteed contracts right now in addition to Patrick Beverly, who is a, a team option. He is non-guaranteed. So if they did want to bring back Ty Wallace, they would have to cut two players. Uh, that could be Pat Beverly. In addition, it could be Jawan Evans, the number 26 overall pick last year. It could be sindarius Thornwell, the second-round pick last year, who's a pretty good defender. It could be Avery Bradley. It could be Mios Teodosic. Any of these guys could be contributors for the Pelicans uh, at pretty similar positions to Ty Wallace. So even should the, Cl- the Clippers bring back or uh, cut loose one of those players and, and bring back Ty Wallace, the Pelicans are still in a nice position to add one of these players. Now let's continue talking, uh, Ali, about where Ty Wallace would fit within the rotation. Obviously, we've got big expectations for Frank Jackson behind Alfred Payton. So where does that leave Ty Wallace in terms of the rotation?
2: He'd be a defensive specialist, kind of what I think the Pelicans had in mind when they signed Tony Allen to replace Solomon Hill last year. Let's say Solomon Hill's not at 100%. The Pelicans need a backup plan because you're going to need some kind of primary defender that's not named Drew Holiday that can stay with a lot of wings. And that's the greatest thing about Tyrone Wallace. He's got that length. He's not the tallest of guys, you know, 6'5", but he can go cover the three because if I believe his uh, wingspan reaches out to almost like six feet, 10 inches, he's almost like three inches longer than Drew Holiday, who is considered, you know, kind of a athletic and physical specimen with size and athleticism himself, uh, while being just six foot four with a reach of six, seven. So he kind of fits that multiple, basically a bigger Drew Holiday. And uh, that that that's incredibly useful. As we saw, a lot of teams took advantage of the Pelicans uh, offensively as to where we could, you know, keep up with opponents, uh, any given position or possession, the same could be said almost of our opponents. Cause let's face it, outside of Drew Holiday and Anthony Davis, there are a lot of holes. Now, some guys kind of did adequately like Nikola Mirotic, um, each one more at times. Uh, but for the vast majority, you know, there, there was just significant gaps. So the Pelicans just need to add, you know, more, uh, bodies that are willing to fit certain roles and holes in this, uh, Team And it's not just on offense. Everybody just loves to look at offense, lack of shooting. And you know what? There's a lot more holes in that. So I think it's a great signing. I think that this guy's multi-position uh, versatility is really going to help, especially when it comes down to, say, tight games or say you've got a hot opponent like a James Harden or Drew Haughty, God forbid, gets hurt. You know, you, you just need that backup guy on the basketball floor and or on, on the team and outside of Drew. And like I said, if Solomon Hill's not that guy that he was two years ago defensively, then the Pelicans would have a big problem. So Tyrone Wallace makes a lot of sense. And then as Kevin and uh, David already alluded to, the fact that this guy's offense, he's a quick strike offense who's able to uh, handle the ball himself, that's perfect. I think Alvin Gentry just wants to run, run, and run, even run some more than what we saw towards the end of last season where we saw the Pelicans, of course, lead the league in pace once uh, DeMarcus Cousins went down. So he fits perfectly despite the fact that he can't shoot. So in my mind right now, where his role is going to be is going to depend on several players ahead of him. Let's say Solomon Hill is healthy. He's going to be ahead of him. Uh, of course, Etor Moore is going to stay ahead of him. Then you've got Drew Holiday's a given. Alfred Payton's going to be given a chance. That's a given, so that's four guys. Frank Jackson, everybody's high on him. That's a fifth guy. And then uh, Darius Miller shooting, that's a sixth guy. So you've got basically six guys I'm looking at. Oh, and I forgot Ian Clark. Seven guys for three positions. So he's going to fall in line somewhere behind those guys. Um, So game to game, you might see him play sporadically. And like I said, I envision like a Tony Allen type of role where one game he'll play 12, 13, 14 minutes. Uh, Then other games probably barely get off the bench. But of course, he's going to be that emergency backup that every team needs once the injuries hit. And they hit pretty much every team throughout a season at some point.
0: Uh, Kevin, expand on that. Obviously, he's still unguaranteed, so there's there's no guarantee he even makes the, the regular season starting roster at this point, although you'd have to think the Pelicans wouldn't just bite $300,000. But do you think we're overstating Ty Wallace's value? Do you expect him to be a meaningful contributor all season long?
3: I do. I, I mean, I don't think we're overstating it. I do think that he will be a meaningful contributor. Um, I think one thing is, as we look at the bigs that we have in there and we know we're going to run. Having this many bodies that you can feel comfortable putting on the court, playing uh, for stretches of time is great because playing at that high pace, you're going to need to give guys rest and to be able to rotate them frequently um, and keep them fresh and have guys that you can rely on. And I honestly think that Darius Miller is more on the outside looking in now with these guys. While he's a great shooter, we saw he didn't perform that well after Boogie went down and he didn't really fit – what this team wanted to do uh, after Boogie was out. And we went on that run and you see, uh, you know, you're looking at, we're trying to build a team with defensive versatility and he's very limited there. Uh, He doesn't attack um, off the dribble. He doesn't, uh, he doesn't have an attacking mentality. So if I think if anybody's going to lose out and Tyrone's going to take some of their minutes, it's going to be Darius.
0: All right, David, where do you see him fitting in the lineup?
4: Yeah, I absolutely agree with Kevin on the point about Darius Miller. I think that, um, you know, he's falling further and further away as these other players are coming in, uh, and I think again that defensive ability is something that they really need on the perimeter, especially when they go with the second unit. When you, you there are those concerns about Elford, uh Payton defensively, there are we have not seen Frank Jackson play defense, so we don't know what these guys. Do, you know, and Ian Clark struggled at times. So I think there are minutes there, um, especially in those second units when you want to be able to just shut down someone, make it a little bit more uh, uncomfortable for your opponent. This is a guy who could fit in and do that for you for stretches. Um, I, you know, And again, you know, to be able to create your own shot, that's something that's very important with this team, especially with the bigs that you have, to be able to kick it out uh, you know, to Nico, to be able to kick it back to Etuan. Um, somebody's got to be able to penetrate the Pelicans don't have a lot of guys who can do that. Uh, So I think there is a spot for him. He may not be someone who plays in every game, um, like Ali said, but there, I think because of his skill set, because of what the Pelicans don't have and um, just because of the way that they play, there is a spot for him on this roster.
0: All right, I just want to add one thing before we move on. Uh, another advantage the Pelicans have in this negotiation right now is the Clippers are have already allotted $118,233,000. In addition to that, should they take Patrick Beverly for the final year of his contract, that takes them directly over the luxury tax threshold. So they cannot waive any player and sign... Uh, Tyrone Wallace without going over the luxury tax line. So that means that they need to trade someone. So should they re-sign Ty Wallace and decide to, I don't know, distribute out young guys like Juwan Evans, Mios Teodosic, Patrick Beverly, uh, that sort of thing? Ali, is there anyone you'd directly be interested in as kind of a consolation prize?
2: Ooh. I mean, Teodosic jumps off the page simply because he's kind of that creative, amazing ball handling uh, slash decision-making point guard, like a typical uh, old-school old floor general who actually kind of showed that he can make that open three-point uh, jumper last season. Uh, defensively, he you know, he was kind of deceived at times, but he was actually a little bit better than what I expected. So for him, or for me, T. Dosich definitely jumps off the page. I would love to grab him. So let's face it, the Pelicans need guys, I feel like, um, that can really help this core. We're a playoff team now, so developing, say, a Jawan Evans or somebody like that I'm not too interested in that anymore, at least not right now.
0: Ollie, that's so funny that you said Steve, because in Zach Lowe's article, he directly references Luke Williams and Mios Teodosic's defensive play as Steve. So I, you just channeled that from <laughs> having read the article earlier. Uh, what about you, Kevin? Obviously, they'd have to trade uh, one or two of these guys. Is there anyone specifically on the roster other than Mios that you would hope the Pelicans would have a shot at?
3: Um, Just because of what we were talking about, the direction of this team – I actually prefer Evans over Tia Dosich. I know Tia Dosich is a great playmaker, but he's not that great of a shooter and he's a terrible defender. Um, And I I just rather see us focus on being a diverse, versatile defense that can just constantly flow on the Amoeba-like defense. And I think that's the identity of this team. So if you're getting one of those guys, I would prefer to have Evans who has the potential to fit more into that mold. And we have other guys that can play um you know that can handle the ball so i'm not that worried i mean obviously Dosage is a gifted passer for sure um and i'm i i would not really argue that um Kevin,
2: just, he shot 38% from 3 last year
3: uh eh, yeah okay so did rondo right uh in chicago
2: <laughs> oh, he, shot, he averaged five shot attempts a game though from deep okay what did rondo do like two
3: <laughs> yeah but he i just don't you know i i just I rather focus on the on the having an identity and i think we starting to have another a new identity and it's an identity that all the other moves fit with and i'd rather just stay on that path
0: all right david there's nine players in the backcourt with the clippers uh the the ones that are already suggested as well as the ones the guys have talked about tia dosage uh, patrick beverly jawan evans maybe avery bradley sandarius thornwell who do you have your eye on should they uh resign ty wallace
4: no, I don't really like Avery Bradley as much as other people do. So he's not that attractive to me as a, as a, as a, um, consolation prize. I mean, I, I, I just, I've, I've never understood the big love affair with him, but I, I would probably take, um, Jawan Evans too, just because again, I, I, the guards that are available as veterans, if you're going to take one from the Clippers, um, I don't think that they, they dramatically change things. And I don't know if, um, Tiodosic would fit in. That's that's one of the things that I worry about because of the the experiment that the locker room is going to kind of be. Um, I don't know if he would want to adjust to that to this culture. I don't. I, I just don't know. Um, so I think Evans is a guy that can do what the Pelicans want to do as far as tempo. Um, he's young. He's going to be. You know, you have time with him, um, especially next year when they still don't have a lot of cap room. Whereas uh, Tiodosic, you know, he's going to be. I think he's going to want more um as far as financially so i think evans to me would be the most attractive
0: all right hey, Preston.
2: and press do me a favor remind me after this podcast to send both kevin and david some youtube clips of this guy okay i,
0: I thought you were going to say you're going to send kevin youtube clips of Mios Teodosic draining three-point shots well that too <laughs> All right. uh, We're going to talk some more about Tyrone Walls. In addition to that, as I mentioned, we're going to have Robert Flom, editor-in-chief of Clips Nation, on the podcast at some point tomorrow once the Pelicans have solidified this signing. Uh, Before we get to some of our reader questions, let's quickly talk about Darius Morris, uh, the second point guard to be signed by the Pelicans to an unguaranteed contract yesterday. He was the former 41st overall pick uh, in 2011. He spent time with the Lakers, the Nets, the 76ers, the Grizzlies, and the Clippers, as well as several G League stints where he holds the single game playoff assist record. Uh, He's very similar to Ty Wallace in terms of frame, uh, a bigger point guard with court vision in the mold of a Tyrone Wallace, but also lacking athleticism and shooting. And at this point, you have to think he's kind of a, a, I don't know, a a veteran journeyman. Uh, He's in his stints. Let's see, he's played just a uh, a little over 130 games uh, over the life of his con- uh, co- playing career since 2011, 2012. So not a lot of hope that he can crack the regular season roster. Uh, let's start with Ali. Do you have any thoughts on Darius Morris? Not
2: too many. I'm feeling this is more of just a training camp body. Maybe he'll actually, you know, give Alfred Payton some direct competition because they have very similar kind of skill sets. And the fact that they're kind of tall, kind of lengthy, not the most athletic specimens around, and of course, the, their uh, outside poor shooting. Because, you know, you've got to mention also the fact that Darius ha- or Morris hasn't been in the uh, league since the 2014-15 season. So three years out of the league. Last year, he spent all this time in China. And as you mentioned, Preston, he's been in the G League a lot too. You, c- you can't have expectation of a guy who's already 27 years old. Interestingly, I remember when he first came in the league, the Lakers were kind of high on him, probably more so the fans were, because I remember some crazy comparisons being made to Gary Payton, which obviously is ridiculous. But obviously he hasn't been able to meet any of those expectations simply because his athleticism isn't up to par. And when you combine that with just poor shooting and he's just a little bit slower than a typical point guard, uh, there's just no place for him in the league. So, no – Unfortunately, I don't have expectations of him at all. I think the Pelicans are doing him probably a little bit of a favor, getting him some exposure. And I kind of want to also talk about what the Pelicans are doing is the fact they are bringing in all these uh, partially guaranteed contracts. To me, it's almost like they're almost spreading out their seeds on a future uh, G League team, or the fact that they don't have a G League team. This is They're using their training camp, basically, like I said, to sow some seeds in future players, whether develop them or just keep in contact where maybe they can help them in turn, whether with coaching or scouting themselves. So, yeah, I mean, I wish I had more pause to say about Darius Miller's game, but, you know, I just don't see him making this roster.
0: That's so funny. You just referred to him as Darius Miller. That's exactly what damn, our friend damn. That's 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 funny though, because it's exactly what our friend Kurt Heelan of NBC Sports uh did in his article. He even accidentally instituted a photo of Darius Miller in the article header and said Pelicans add Darius Miller. He's a friend of ours. Uh it, it happens to the best of us. He was on our Uh-oh. podcast, I want to say, last offseason. But I just wanted to point it out that both of you guys uh made that mistake. It's it's so funny. Uh you seem to be channeling all the uh national um Storylines in regards to to the Pelicans right now between Zach Lowe and Kurt <laughs> Heilman, Kevin. Kevin, do you have anything you want to add on Darius Morris?
3: No, I mean I feel like it's going to be that you know he's going to be the same kind of situation that what what was that guy we had from Israel last year in camp? Um, you know you, you can't remember his name. He was there for a couple of days for a little bit and that's it. He's just there. Sean.
2: Sean something.
3: Yeah, it was Sean, something I can't even remember, but that's how we're going to remember Darius Morris is by not really remembering him. So uh, that's all I got to say about it.
4: David? Um, I saw Darius Morris, you know, going back to when he was at Michigan and he couldn't shoot then. He can't shoot now. He didn't even play that many games in China. Last year, I think he played 13 games in China and then only played three games in the G League. So, and his shooting percentage in China wasn't great. Um you know, he's, he's smart with the basketball. He knows how to pass the basketball. That's the one thing he can do. And maybe that's what they're looking for in in training camp is to to talk to guys like Alfred Payton and, and, you know, Ian Clark and and maybe just be able to show um, that ability to to run an offense because there are going to come times in the half court where the Pelicans are going to have to run a set. And maybe he's just there for that. Somebody who can demonstrate that. But I don't see how he makes it out of training camp. He just doesn't do anything else well.
0: Nice. Before we get to training camp, uh, let's just give a shout out to Ali really quickly for an article on the birdrights.com in terms of Goran Dragic. Obviously, we're at 20 right now, so it, it looks as if the Pelicans roster is solidified, at least up until training camp. But you seem to think there could be an opportunity for Dell Demps to investigate uh, reuniting Goran Dragic with Alvin Gentry, Ali.
2: Yeah, look, I mean, Dell Dempse has been on high on him ever since he arrived in New Orleans. As you, we can go back to that Chris failed Chris Paul trade, where Dragic was a part of that um, original deal that was, of course, negated by David Stern. And then, what was it, about four years later, during the 14-15 season, or was it? Yeah, I think it was that season. Pelicans were interested in uh, signing Dragic in free agency again. So they've been linked to him. And the fact that you hear Miami Heat are possibly putting, you know, keeping or what is it? I think I've read that there nobody's safe on that roster, right? And the fact that they even singled out and said Dragic could be trade bait in the right deal, well, you've got to think Dell Demps is calling Pat Raleigh to see what's available. And uh, if he could make a deal work, or if he could get a third team to work, I mean, I honestly could see the Pelicans trading for him. I mean, they've been linked to guys that have been way more questionable. Dennis Schroeder, uh, other point guards, you know, that, with questionable histories, let alone games. And Dragic, you know, was an all-star just a couple of years ago, so I think that would be a big boon uh, for Dell Dempsey to add him. And I think he's going to try if he can, you know, like I said, it all depends on the availability and what Pat Riley is asking. (laughs)
0: All right, the Pelicans are in a pretty good spot right now because there are several teams that have exceeded the luxury tax and are going to need to offload players like Goran Dragic. And the Pelicans are one of the few teams across the NBA that actually have the space to take a player like that. Obviously, they'd have to offload matching salary, but there could be a a discernible difference there in terms of salary so that the Heat could take back less salary. Mm -hmm. In addition to the Heat, teams that need to offload salary, the Timberwolves, the Grizzlies, the Pistons, the Spurs, the Celtics, the Blazers, the Rockets, the Wizards, the Raptors, obviously the Rockets would probably be content paying the tax as well as the Thunder and the Warriors at this point. But if they have the opportunity to offload for some kind of favorable deal, I'm sure that they would. Kevin, do you have any thoughts on Goran Dragic and the Pelicans potentially uh, being one of his suitors? I mean,
3: I understand why they would be interested in getting him. Uh, I like Goran Dragic as a player. I just don't really see a trade that makes sense for, for both teams. You know, it, it would have to involve us giving up probably either probably Miritich, and I wouldn't want to give up Miritich for Goran Dragic. Um, I think what we have could be special in the front court, and we might only have it for a year, but I'd still like to see it play out. Um, Dragic is getting older, um, and I just, I don't know, I just, like I said, I think he's a very good player. I just don't see how the parameters work, where it's going to really, where we're not giving up too much.
0: I think we lost Kevin. No, you didn't. I just stopped. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it felt like a dot dot dot. I thought you were going to add on to that, uh, David. Uh, do you do you give credence to any of of this? Do you think uh, that Fletcher Mackel's wildest dreams may come true? No, no, I don't.
4: I, I don't think it happens. Um, I, I just don't think um, Dell really wants to make that deal right now. I still think that he wants to see what he has. Uh, first before he makes any more major deals so yeah I, i just don't think this one happens
0: all right all right i think the pelicans are pretty set at that position right now with alfred payton frank jackson tyrone wallace in addition to drew holiday ian clark um you know what i want to ask one more question Ali. Uh, We were kind of uh, silently hopeful, not so silently hopeful, I should say, that Trayvon Blewett could get a longer look earlier in training camp, preseason, maybe in the earlier parts of regular season. I think even David Grubb mentioned they might use 45 of those days early on the year to see if he's ready for the big stage. Do you think this kind of permanently uh, keeps Trayvon Blewett in in the G League and the Pelicans take a, a much longer look at Ty Wallace in regular season play?
2: Yeah, I think just because Trayvon Blue has already been signed to a two-way deal, I don't think that the Pelicans have too much interest in promoting him um, now, especially now or really at any point this season, unless, of course, he completely dominates the G League and they're hurting for shooting. Otherwise, you know, like I said, it's going to be a G League year for him. But as you mentioned, he's going to get 45 days with the uh, big team, and you've got to think that'll be good enough for his development, which he does need. We saw him in Vegas. And uh, he was going against a little bit lesser competition. But he's got to learn basically how quickly his opponent is. It's not collegiate athletes he's going up against anymore. He's going up against guys who are most times going to be either physically stronger, bigger, or just faster and can jump over him. uh, Because he's not the most athletic, fastest specimen around. So he's going to learn how to get his shots off, how he can stay with them defensively. So he's got to learn all these intricacies of the NBA. And I just think the Pelicans would rather, like I said, they've already got him on a two-way deal just keep him there because roster spots are so precious. So like I said, unless he wows them or there's suddenly rash of injuries that they need to shooting. uh, Don't expect to see him in a Pelicans uniform outside of his uh, uh, two-way status.
0: All right. The minimum he can earn this season is 75,000. If he played all of his days, I think he can reach as much as 300,000. Those numbers work. Yeah.
2: You've got to think that reward him right by doing that. Cause oftentimes when a player agrees to a two-way deal, there's kind of a nod, nod agreement that, you know, the player is going to get to spend a lot of time with the NBA team, not just for him financially, but also to learn, you know, you got to remember the development side of this.
0: Definitely. Uh, let's, let's go over to Kevin next. And let's kind of ask the, the same question. Uh, do you, do you think this directly affects Travon Blewett in any way? Uh, do you think that now he's just going to be an observer for his rookie season?
3: I mean, I think that was like always the plan, you know, if, Uh, If he has a breakout, then sure, you can bring him back in. If he really wows you in camp, you know, maybe you sign him to uh, a full-length contract, you know, call him up from the D-League, guarantee his contract, make him a vet minimum. But um, I just think that that's what they want to do is just give him some more time to develop. Um, We saw a lot of things to feel positive about, as we said already. um, But, you know, there's obviously still work to do with him. Um, but he is a gifted shooter for sure. And uh, should injuries happen, then you might see him get called up. Or if there is struggle to hit outside shot, you know, early on in the season, you might see him brought in to see if he can uh, bite a spark on that end of the court.
0: David, I'm going to move on if that's OK. Um, if yeah. you have any. Yeah, cool. Uh, So right now there's 12 guaranteed roster spots. Uh, There's a couple of non-partial guarantees, seven of them, in fact. Uh, Wallace Morris, Emeka Okafor, Jaleel Okafor, Troy Williams, uh, Ken Rich Williams, and Garland Green. Now, this is kind of tricky because last week we were kind of suggesting that maybe both Okafor's – could make the roster now in addition to Ty Wallace that puts you right at 15 it takes away any flexibility the Pelicans have unless they outright waive someone or get uh, involved in a trade so as it stands right now is the Pelicans roster essentially set and if it is who do you think those other guaranteed bodies will become?
4: Well, I think yeah, I think Jaleel is the one that's going to make the team out of the two Okafor's now. That would be my first thought is that um Emeka ends up getting released, but they keep a, you know, keep him closely by the phone and tell him if anything happens, you you know, you're the guy we'll call um just because I think that Jaleel, with his youth and his upside at this point, um you know, at the cost, I think they want to keep him around. Um but I think for the rest of the roster, yeah, it's set. They they're not going to I, I've said this before. I just don't see Dill making any major moves unless something extremely in the Pelicans' favor uh, comes his way in the next couple of months. I think he's going to give it till you know around Christmas to to really evaluate it, unless there's unless they drop off a cliff or something. Um, you know, I, I just think he wants to see what this group can do.
0: All right, let's go back over to Ali and kind of directly address the wings situation this is a question from waka waka wakanda and his question is wings wings and wings how are we feeling about our wing situation as of now assuming we get wallace and the clippers don't match our offer i'm going to kind of uh askew away from that question and and directly target williams brothers and garland green ali do you think there's any chance that one of those three potential wings makes the roster at this point
2: it, I think they're, they're all a long shot to make the regular season roster, but I think one of them has a really good chance of making a two-way, getting that a second two-way available contract that the Falcons still have to dole out um, because, as Dave was kind of saying, yeah, I see Jaleel Okafor taking up the 13th spot. I think that you've got to think Tyrone Wallace is going to get that 14th spot. And the 15th, Dell, normally likes to leave one open, but in this case he may not, and he's got a lot of options. So – it could be a Oak before you keep him, just because he can be used as salary in a trade for later, or one of these three guys you just mentioned to me really wows the team and they uh, he decides to sign him to a regular season deal, um, or maybe there's an unknown. Maybe they still want to bring in, say, a Ty Lawson or who knows? You know, some veteran out there like they did Jameer Nelson a year ago. Um, so there's so so many choices out there, Preston. You've just got to think that. So Garland Green, Troy Williams, and Kendrick Williams, they've just got they just they've got long odds of making the team because they haven't solidified that they can play in the NBA. That's why they've had mostly journeyman careers or have had trouble sticking with an NBA team. So my my best guess is one of those guys you'll see get that second two-way contract.
0: Kevin, should one of those guys wower or impress in training camp and earn a spot? do you think it's more likely that the Pelicans cut Ian Clark or wave and stretch Alexis Agensa?
3: Um, Hmm. That's interesting. Uh, I think, I mean, Agensa, I think they would try to trade him first so they wouldn't have to cut and stretch him. Um, if not, if not, I think I would go that route. Cause I mean, you're going to be holding that guy on there or, you, you know, Basically, you're only holding him around for his salary for to make a trade later on. So it just depends on what the long plan is. I think if they have some ideas about how they need to use his salary, uh, they'll keep him around. But I think if anybody is going to get just outright waived, it would be uh, a Mecca Okafor just because you have so many bigs on the roster right now. And uh, Ian Clark is a guy. Um you know, while you have a lot of bodies and a lot of guys we feel good good about in the wing rotations, uh, there's still question marks on all of them. And Ian Clark is a guy that we've seen be, you know, a true NBA player, a guy you can rely on. Um, he also has his problems, but he he will give you serviceable minutes and you can count on them. Um, so I think he's the kind of guy you definitely don't want to just outright wave.
0: Uh, I'm, I'm indicating if a Mecca already been cut, they've guaranteed Jaleel Okafor, they've guaranteed Ty Wallace. I think that puts them right around 14. So if they don't, uh, or puts them at 15, I'm terrible at math. So if one of these three guys, uh, Kenrich, Williams, Troy Williams, and Garland green really impresses, and they really want them on the regular season roster that would put them at 15. Do you think there's then a chance, uh, that they have to choose between Ian Clark and Alexis Agensa?
3: Well, I see still at that point, I still think you just give one of those guys a two-way and then you hold on to Agentsa to see if you can trade him with other salary to make an upgrade on your roster um, because that still allows you to have those guys around and then to keep them around uh, whenever you need to. And then you can always convert them to a minimum contract and then waive Agentsa later on or Clark or find a trade partner whether you're sending one of those two out. Um but if I'm choosing between guys that I want on the roster, I'd rather have Ian Clark on the roster, obviously, because he can be useful. Um, and I don't see how Agensa can be useful in Gentry's system and in and in Ehrman's system also. So, um, yeah, I mean, if, if you're holding a gun to my head and I have to make that decision at this moment, I would cut uh, Agensa. And I don't necessarily think you need to even stretch him, right? I mean, he's an expiring contract. You just cut him. And then you can sign one of those guys to a minimum and it wouldn't matter.
0: All right, David, let's get back to the direct question that Waka Waka Wakanda asked wings, wings and wings. How are you feeling? Ty Wallace kind of shifts between the one, two and the three position because of his size. Uh, of course, each one more is going to get a lot of look at three Solomon Hill, Darius Miller. Should the Pelican sign either the Williams brothers or Garland Green? How are you feeling right now about the three?
4: I think we feel like we felt, you know, throughout the offseason that it can be serviceable, you know, with Etuan doing the job. We've seen him do it. So we know that what he can do there, um, you're you're hoping that Solomon Hill returns to form. Um, but you also know that the position should should uh, be upgraded. So, I mean, I, I don't think my opinion or my feelings have changed about the position, nor have my expectations at this point. I'm not expecting a dynamic improvement um, at that position as of right now. um, We all pretty much, I think, believe that that's the target for at some point in the season is to go out and get a better wing uh, player. But at the same time, I don't think the Pelicans will come out of camp and go into the regular season feeling like uh, what they have isn't uh, something they can work with.
0: All right, Ali, let's get to our next question. We've got a bunch of questions from Finn the Human 412 Thank you so much to you, sir. He says he's been a long time listener, and he signed up on Twitter just specifically to ask us questions. So thank you very much. Uh, let's get to his first one, Ali. What are your expectations this season for Solomon Hill?
2: I think if he can get back to the level he was two years ago before he tore his hamstring. That, that seems about right. I mean, you all honestly want him to become a better decision maker. You want him to become a better three-point shooter. But I just don't know how realistic that is, uh, no matter how much work he puts in. Now, granted, it looks like he's put in a lot of work, and that's what um, Coach Mike G, Drew Holiday's personal trainer, and the Pelicans uh, performance consultant said, that the fact that you'll notice that Solomon Hill is indeed you know ready for this upcoming season. But again, will it translate to something better than what we saw two years ago out of him? You know, I'm not going to hold my breath simply because he's not shown it throughout his career to be a consistent shooter. You see him in in warm-ups, how his stroke is just not, you know, the most... Say you put him next to Ray Allen, or some one of the better shooting three-point shooters uh, you've seen in in your lifetime, and he's nowhere close. His shot's a little bit kind of abbreviated, kind of... He doesn't really have that stretch, good-looking follow-through. You know, there's a lot of things that I see... Deficient with his shots. So I'm not hopeful that three-point shots gonna ever become consistent and of course um, The decision making or the driving to the rim again he, he was like almost a train wreck at times two years ago where he'd take him You know a dribble to the rim and instead of getting all the way to the rim He kind of pull up and shoot these floaters and seemed like he never made any of those because uh, simply he wasn't athletic to get around the competition and finish over them um, outside, of course, that one one dunk he had over the Boston Celtics, I believe it was Marcus Smart. I mean, other than that, you've never seen any kind of display like that out of him, so you can't count on that. And, and like I said, the last one's that decision-making, where can he become like a great passer? Like, operate, say, at the top of the key and search for uh, Anthony Davis on a roll or Julius Randle, somewhere from the top of the key. And again, I just haven't seen it. So, no, unfortunately, I don't expect Solomon Hill to have any kind of a breakout season. So the best you can hope for is honestly what we saw two years ago.
0: All right. If anybody wants to chime in, just talk over me, but we've got a couple more questions, so I'm just going to keep it moving. Uh, I
3: just, my expectation for Solomon Hill is that he has the same size legs on both legs. That's what I, you know, (laughs) like last year he had one tiny leg because of the injury. And so I think if he has both legs, the same size, he'll at least be, you know somewhat back to what he was uh before which was still a flawed player but a player that can provide some something for you
0: kevin barrios the leg expert here at thebirdrights.com uh kevin let's keep it with you sir uh this is also from Thin the human 412 he says do you see frank jackson as the future starting point guard for the pelicans or i'll kind of change the question a little bit for him um what would frank jackson need to do to become the future starting point guard for the pelicans
3: well, he would, he has to stay on the court. First off, we haven't seen him play. So that's the, that's the number one thing. Um, obviously what we have seen from him is very promising. He's an incredible athlete and will add tons of athleticism to this team that was lacking. So a lot of athleticism on the perimeter. Um, so you would have that um, you, he needs to, you know, prove that he can defend at least the one position, if not uh one to three in some stretches, you know, where he can be adequate against the small forward for moments because of the kind of defensive scheme we want to run. And we want to see if he can orchestrate an offense. We don't know if he can do that either. I mean, we know he can attack the rim. Uh, He looks like he has a decent jump shot. Um, You know, he has a good burst, um, those kind of things. But in terms of running an offense and basically all fundamentals of defense and offense we haven't seen that much from him to to you know say that we know for sure that he can be that guy um we all have high hopes and we have reasons for those hopes they're not just blind faith but it is a lot of faith
0: all right david this one also from fin the human 412 How big do you think our rotation is going to be during the regular season? I could see an 11-man rotation with Meritich, Randall, Clark, Jackson, Miller, Hill, Diallo. How many players do you see cycling through the lineup on a nightly basis, David?
4: On the regular season, yeah, I think it'll go 10 or 11 deep. That doesn't mean everybody would get a lot of minutes. But I think you know they obviously want to uh, take the uh, minutes total for AD and and Drew down some. uh, and, and they have the bigs now to do that and that's again another part of this backcourt uh, depth is to have, to be able to manage those minutes a bit better uh, and so I think there will be these waves it'll be like hockey you know and do these these large shifts of, of players and it'll be constant because of the pressure that they want to try to keep up and I think it also mitigates some of those again the the issues for those guys who are um, slightly deficient defensively so yeah during the regular season there will be a lot of guys getting played but if, of course, then um, we know at the playoffs, it'll be down to an, uh, probably an eight-man rotation at that point with a couple of guys popping up. But
0: yeah, throughout the regular season, a lot of guys playing. All right, Ollie, who or which game's highlights do you watch when you're missing Pelicans basketball? Mm, probably Drew Holliday's because he had so many motivating, crazy
2: plays last season that we were only always accustomed to seeing these out of. And only Anthony Davis, but last year, wow! Drew Holiday put so many uh, games on his back down the stretch with a defensive player, maybe a drive uh, that were responsible for at least you know at least five wins or so. So yeah, I've I've watched a lot of Drew Holiday's uh, highlights this off season, and um, I've honestly been kind. Of, it's been actually kind of unfair, and in my making a, kind of a, an evaluation of Alfred Payton because I'm kind of comparing him. To, or I've been comparing him to what Drew Holiday can do on the court. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know how, how to say that, but Drew Holiday is, is such an astounding specimen. And he's finally been able to put all of his physical to, tools to uh, great use on the basketball court. And you've got to expect for that to continue. So, yeah, I watch him, but sorry, Alfred Payton, for comparing Drew Holiday to you so many times, buddy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Kevin, this one is from our friend Young Vet at Phelps a lot. He said he would love to hear more thoughts on the recent offer sheet for Wallace. It's hard not to like all the little moves that Dell keeps making. Since we already talked about Tyrone Wallace pretty much in depth, and we're going to talk to Robert Flom some more, why don't you discuss as a whole kind of Dell Demp's roster moves this offseason, obviously signing Alfred Payton to the biannual, uh, adding Tyrone Wallace, Jaleel Ogafor, in addition to Julius Randle on that mid-level exception. What do you think about the moves that he's made since July 1st?
3: I mean, I think he's done another good job. He's, you know, I I think he was off vilified early on in his career um, and not rightfully so. I've always been a Dell supporter. Um, I think he's made a lot of good moves. Obviously, he's made a few bad moves here and there, um, some that we're still suffering from. But, you know, overall, I think he's done a great job since he's been here. And I think um, the last two off seasons, he's definitely approached um, building a team with a specific identity in mind. And I think we've see that again this year where, you know, it's all about uh, playmaking from multiple positions and being able to guard multiple positions and increasing length and athleticism. And um, so I, I like this. I like the, you know, the Amoeba off, uh, defensive scheme that we're going to employ. I like that we're going to be fast paced um, for a roster that fits it. I didn't think last year the roster that we started with necessarily fit everything that they wanted to do but now it does um and the moves that they've done have really added to that um you know randall getting randall was incredible i i like alfred payton i know he has flaws and i know he's a question mark going in i have confidence that he'll be fine um i really like tyrone wallace um i like the smaller signings we had i mean i like blew it i like uh i thought garland green looked great in summer league um you know he's just looks like a really good glue guy um Troy Williams looks uh, like a solid player, another hustle guy. You have a lot of guys that are out there diving for loose balls, tipping balls, those kind of plays that allow your stars to be the scorers and to take over and allow them to get rest because these guys can come in and play minutes where they're not hurting you defensively and they're making the little small plays that allow your your bigger names players to shine. Um, So I think he did another great job.
0: All right, David. Do you have anything you want to add to that? What did Dell Demps not do this off season that you wish he had?
4: No, I, I think Dell did a, uh, an outstanding job this off season. Um, you know, we would all have liked to have seen him find a way to get a, a small forward, um, but you know that that was a long shot from the beginning. Um, you know that you can't. Pre- we couldn't have predicted what had what happened with either Rondo or Boogie the way those things happened. Um, The possibility of them leaving was always there, but the way um, this happened, I I could, I can't fault him for that. Now. Um, I think this is one of his best off seasons. He didn't overpay. In fact, he made some great deals and got guys for value. So um, I think, you know, should this season pan out? Well, you know, Dell, at least in the off season, Dell has to be up there with, with some of the top executives for what they did in the off season.
0: And he'll have even more work to do next offseason. Well, he'll have to uh, re sign pretty much everybody. Uh, Anthony Davis will be up for that super max, I think five years, 236 million. He'll have to re sign Julius Randle, Nikola Miritich, uh, Alfred Payton. Uh, all these guys are essentially expirings. He's uh, got a lot of work ahead of him, right, Ollie?
2: Yeah, absolutely. And um, let me see. Oh, no,
0: I just noticed, Preston, we still
2: got some more questions. Are we going to get to everything we saw on Twitter?
0: Yeah, I've only got two more in front of me. Uh, The next one I'll go ahead and ask to you. It's also from at Phelps a lot. He says, Your expectations for Troy Williams and Jaleel Okafor if they make the team?
2: Mm, That's a good one. Well, with Troy Williams, I kind of already answered that. And I don't even have expectations that he'll make the team. Uh, If he does, that would be great. But again, he would probably feel some kind of. Down at the end of the bench type of role for the Pelicans, and like I said, most likely that would be in some kind of a two-way contract form for me. I just can't see him making a re- this regular season roster. Uh, but as for Jaleel, we do. I think I think we have kind of a consensus on that. And what as for the expectations, I think this guy will get in on almost every in every game. Um, he's going to be kind of the muscle that Alvin Gentry kind kind of turns to when either Anthony Davis is hurting or we just face really b- much bigger lineups. Say we're facing Rudy Gobert or Mark Gasol, or whoever else out there in the league that's physically imposing that kind of beats up on AD. That's um, where Okafor is going to soak some minutes up. Uh, everything leads me to believe that this guy's ready for that redemption year. I mean, of course, his career's fallen off a cliff, but again, he was, came out of Duke highly, uh, highly um, recognized by both Mike Krzyzewski and experts across the league uh, as being, you know, a legitimate top three, top one draft pick. So I think he's going to return to some kind of good form as to where we're going to see him uh, actually kind of carry the offense at times with the second units through the post. Um, I'm curious to see how his passing is going to do. Supposedly this guy's a decent passer out of the post. So I think there's a lot going for him that he'll be able to get in every game. So we'll see him average maybe about 15, maybe even upwards to 20 minutes a game. Um, and, And like I said, throw in some points. And he's just got to do well enough on the defensive end. If he can just protect... Or thwart enough shots around the rim. He doesn't have to block them. He just has to, you know, prevent those easy lanes. If he can do that, he's definitely gonna get some court time.
0: And there's an article on thebirdrights.com by our newest writer, Charles LaRocca. In addition to Charlie Gonzalez, they both have new articles. But Charles specifically, Jaleel Okafor, ready to be part of New Orleans Pelicans winning environment. So make sure you check that out to learn more about him from our guys at thebirdrights.com. Kevin, this one is from Jim Beam at underscore all you say I underscore hope I got somewhere in the ballpark of that name. Uh, He says, do we really need a new point guard? Is it okay that we're going after point guards that can't shoot?
3: Yeah, I mean, um, like I said, I think it's more about ball handling from every position. Um, So it's not necessarily you're viewing Ty Wallace as a as a point guard. You know, he's just a a ball handling player that is a solid defender. And that is the emphasis, ball handling and defense. Shooting is secondary because they think they're going to create enough looks for guys to be efficient. And these guys that they're bringing in aren't guys that they're gonna want to get a lot of points from anyway because they're still trying to get your points from Davis, Miritich, Randall, Holiday, Moore, you know, these these kinds of guys. So these are role players, glue guys, um, um, guys that make the defense function, but also help set up um your your main players. And uh, you know, that's that's the uh so that I think that's fine. I don't think you necessarily need another guy that's a point guard to challenge Alfred Payton for that starting job. I just other guys that are able to also do it um, from different positions in different areas and play together with each other. Um, so I think shooting is the, you know, takes a step back and that's the focus, defense, and playmaking.
0: All right, last question. I mean, we saw it last
3: week with Rondo, you know, I mean, that's the kind of guy they brought in last season and then they bring in Alfred Payton and then you see a guy like Ty Wallace. So it's that's what for ball handler
0: so when kevin does stop talking i don't know he stops (laughs) and then when (laughs) i go to jump in he's actually still talking uh we we need to work on our communication kevin uh Let's it's let's off
3: get
0: over season. <laughs> we, we we don't have enough reps right now. We need to get back into regular season form. Uh David, let's throw you our last question. And this one's just from me. Um let's let's dive deeper into that point guard debate right now. Obviously, we all expect Alfred Payton to be the day one starter, but what would it take for Frank Jackson or Tyrone Walls to usurp him at some point in the regular season?
4: Well, I think number one is gonna be a decision making. You know, if you're turning over the ball. Uh, if if you're not moving it quickly enough, you know, those are the things that are going to to get you know, Alfred Payton in trouble if that's what he doesn't do. And and then again, when the ball does come back around after that initial quick offense, if it if it didn't hit, if you weren't able to get that basket within the first nine, 10 seconds of the shot clock, are you then able to get people in position? Um, you know, if he's not able to do that, if he's not hitting shots on top of all those things, then I think you open the door. But again, Frank Jackson is going to have to prove, can he do all of those things as well? And then without the ups and downs of a rookie season, um, if he's, you know, I, I don't know how he can do that. And both of those players, you know, are very young players behind and also another young player. So they may be given opportunities at some point, but, I th- you know, I think it's hard for any of those players to, to get past Peyton uh, just because bit, they don't have the track records.
0: Uh, I'm going to go ahead and continue that line of thought, even though we're at our hour. Uh, Let's start it with Ali. Do you think you could argue that one of Frank Jackson or Tyrone Wallace could potentially have higher upside than Alfred Payton?
2: Yes, absolutely. I think Frank Jackson, this was a question asked to uh, us by Fernando Ritzman, how surprised would you be if Frank was closing out games halfway through the year? And the fact that somebody who actually has decent knowledge of the team can ask that question shows you uh, not only Frank Jackson's ceiling, but the precarious position, of course, that Alfred Payton finds himself in his career. So absolutely. And like I said, we saw, we said earlier, Tyrone Wallace was closing out games for a totally injury ravaged team. And he still managed to make himself look pretty good out there. So no, it wouldn't be a surprise at all. Defensively, if Alan Gentry wants defense, he's going to throw Tyrone Wallace out there. Or if he wants offense and uh, Frank Jackson proves early on, that this league isn't too much for him, then, Yeah, we could even see him closing out games at some point this season. So not hard to imagine at all, Preston.
0: Yeah, I wasn't notified about that uh, question. Thank you so much for bringing that to my attention, Ollie. And there's another one down here. Uh, I didn't get this notification. It's from Crescent City Connect. He's asked us questions in the past. Thank you so much for writing in. Kevin, can Tyrone Wallace become a better option over Solomon Hill at the backup three?
3: I mean, sure. Uh, What we've seen from Solomon Hill so far or from. And we're not satisfied with what we've got thus far. Um, which I mean, he can be that guy, you know, there's still a chance that he can be that guy. But when you're a guy that keeping, it's easy to pass that guy up, if you have a player like Tyrone Wallace, who's hungry, who has athleticism, who has uh some defensive pedigree and some playmaking, it can do some of the things that um Solomon Hill can't. Um, neither of them are a good shooter, but. Tyrone Wallace is a more decisive offensive player. He's uh, he attacks the rim, um, and then he also provides playmaking, which Solomon Hill doesn't yet. Um, so, yeah, that's that's not really um, that wouldn't be shocking at all. Um, and as far as Frank Jackson perhaps surpassing Elfer Payton, I mean, he's a guy with a lot of pedigree. Um, so while all, obviously Alfred Payton was as well, um, Frank Jackson, I mean, look. Coach Mike G compared him to Bo Jackson and Reggie Bush athletically. So having that kind of, those kind of gifts, if you have any kind of basketball IQ, um, you know, there's a good chance for you to, you know, last in the NBA and take uh, minutes away from somebody you're competing. with.
0: David, we'll wrap up with this of Frank Jackson, Tyrone Wallace, Solomon Hill, Darius Miller, check Diallo or Jaleel Okafor. Who do you think the Pelicans breakout candidate would be of those six?
4: Well, I think the consensus amongst everybody is going to be Frank Jackson. Um, But um, hmm, if not Jackson, then I would say Jalil Okafor actually has a very good opportunity to have a breakout Mm -hmm. season because of the positions that he's going to be put in. Um, You -hmm. know, the things that he does well, there's no one on the roster that competes with him. At those things. So he brings a unique skill set to that position. And because of the pace and because of the rotations, I think, like Alex said, he's going to have the opportunity to get minutes. Um, and I think he could potentially, you know, be a a very vital sub if he if his head is in is, is in the right place and he sticks to what he does well and improves um, the things that he doesn't, man, he could he could really be a breakout player this year.
0: All right. I think that's it for now. Thank you guys so much for your questions. And thank you for listening. Again, remember, we're now available on both Spotify and iHeartRadio in addition to being available on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, Overcast, etc. So, you know, make sure you find us, subscribe, whichever network you like best, and please retweet this tweet spread the word share with your friends all that good stuff uh thank you to ali of course he's the editor-in-chief of thebirdrides.com he's got a great article up right now new orleans pelicans offseason roster locked and loaded for battles in training camp but front office maintaining big picture what else are you working on this week sir i
2: still gotta finish my drew holiday piece with uh mike g's through that mike g's interview and uh get into those Alfred Payton breakdown and the Pelicans offense without Rajon Ronda. Like I said, I've gotten through so much, but new stuff now keeps coming up and that takes my hours that I dedicate to the website. So got to find some time, but Preston, what I wanted to ask you buddies, how'd your first day go bleacher report?
0: Oh, thanks. Uh, thanks for asking. Uh, it was a bit overwhelming, a lot of information, a lot of spreadsheets, uh, a lot of i mean the the job itself is uh, going to be pretty simple it's pretty much what you do here at the is just distributing um article <laughs> I- yeah distributing article ideas to people and then just reviewing their work not a whole lot of writing but in terms of all the documenting you have to do all the communicating with different levels above and below you uh and lateral like there's other editors i have to communicate with there's people above me there's an analytics department there's a video interview so it's it's very exciting but it's all it's all pretty overwhelming at this point. But again, it was just the first day. Uh, you, but can you, so you can yeah, do thanks. it. You can do it. Thanks, man. Uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, I pretty much, I mean, I also went through an intense screening process of like four or five. Uh, phone interviews as well as a background check, all this other stuff. But Ali, I listed him as one of my three references, and they in fact called him. I couldn't believe they called him, and he gave me uh, a wonderful review. So thank you so much to Ali. I uh, couldn't have had this job uh, without you, but it'll just be for the next six, seven weeks. I'm not going anywhere. I'm still going to be hosting one of these every week. And then as soon as the regular season kicks up, um, uh, that'll essentially be the end of my contract there, and I'll have a lot more time uh, for podcasting, you know, reaching out to. Uh, opposing experts and that sort of thing. Uh, Kevin, what are you working on, man? How how are you feeling on your new diet?
3: I feel really great. You know, I mean, it's a little bit over a week. I'm sleeping a lot better. I have a ton more of energy. Um, mm-hmm. I can focus better. Um, my knees don't hurt as bad. My ankles don't hurt as bad. Um, mm-hmm. I sleep very deeply. Even like last night, I had like work nightmares all night, but I still woke up refreshed because I was like deep sleep work nightmares. Um, so, you know, uh, I don't, I don't think it's a diet I can stick with for a very long time because you eat such high fat content stuff, uh, that is probably driving my cholesterol crazy. Um, but it's, you know, like a little springboard for me to just get back into eating a little bit healthier. Um, which is cool. I need that, you know, I'm 40, so I need to start taking care of myself a little bit. Um, and also I put on like this little gut after you know a lifetime of being a pretty slim guy i all all of a sudden develop a a gut in the last six months so i'm just trying to knock that off and get back into a little bit better shape um but yeah i mean i feel incredible i haven't felt this good in in years so um you know i recommend doing it for like you know a, a small little small recharge or reboot to the system kind of thing and as far as what i'm working on um I don't know. Are you guys interested in hearing the rest of these uh, Anthony Davis teammate power rankings? Because I sort of feel like people aren't that interested in them. So if you are, let me know, and I'll start to get back onto them. I kind of put them on hold for a little bit while I worked on some design work I had going on. Um, which, if you read Andy Gravity Magazine, I did the design of uh, that cover. You can see that work out there right now if you want to check that out. Um, for the It's about a band called Thou. is the cover story, which is a band that I'm, well, this I'm really friends with The Singer. I don't really know the rest of the band that well, but me and The Singer have been knowing each other since high school. Um, and then um, other than that, I'm definitely going to start working on that human design chart, look at uh, the roster next week um, with Travis. Um, so that'll be up at some point, but it's going to be a little intensive going through the whole roster. So it might take me a minute to knock that out. Um, and that's it.
0: All right, David of Creston City Sports, you've been watching a lot of football, sir. What's your week look like?
4: Yeah, um, Friday I'm doing a game between um, Zachary High School and Catholic of Baton Rouge, two defending state champions. So that's a big game there. And then Saturday I'm doing LSU's first home game. Uh, my most recent piece on the Pelicans, though, was um, not particularly about the Pelicans per se because it was about David West. Um, and I just suggested that he belongs in a place of honor uh, with the franchise. Uh, and it's I've gotten feedback on both sides of it. There are people who think that he just didn't do a, you know, he wasn't that significant of a player, Um, but, you know, he was the first draft pick of the franchise in new Orleans and he, he and Chris Paul are basically the cornerstones of the most successful period in franchise history during his peak years. They were, you know, average 47 wins a year. And that last season, you know, he tore his ACL um, before they were before the last 10 games of the season and that was a team that lost in six games to the Lakers in the first round. So who knows what they could have done had he been available. Um, two-time All-Star, you know, and he held 13 franchise records when he uh, left. So I think he deserves it. I don't think he's the best player in franchise history. If people think, thought that that's what I was trying to say. No, I was clear about that. Obviously, Anthony Davis and Chris Paul are better players than David West, but I think overall he's like the Udonis Haslam, you know, in Miami or um, even the Tim Hardaway who didn't put up amazing numbers in Miami and was just a two-time all-star there, but about, it was about the culture and David West was a big part Mm -hmm. of establishing a basketball culture in new Orleans. I know the Benson family doesn't retire jerseys, but I think he should be honored in some way
0: all right well said uh you guys again thank you so much for listening uh we'll probably be back tomorrow night with robert flom and i'd be happy to invite any of these three guys if they want to sit in on that just a quick recap of ty wallace's season last year with the clippers uh for now i'm Preston Ellis. don't forget we're on spreaker and yeah let's go pals for listening to The Bird Calls on the Off the Glass, Nothing But Net and 555 Podcast Networks. If you like what you're hearing, please take a moment to rate us on iTunes, retweet, share with your friends and most importantly, subscribe today.
1: Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is you're one step closer to becoming your parents. You'll proudly mow the lawn. Ask if anybody noticed you mowed the lawn. Tell people to stay off the lawn. Compare it to your neighbor's lawn and complain about having to mow the lawn again. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home an auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance, which, of course, will go right into the lawn. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discount not available in all stages or situations. Let's consider the secret life of the innermost nesting doll. Living most of her life in the dark inside the other nesting dolls, she has plenty of time to think, if she could. Sadly, she has no brain. However, When an innermost nesting doll hears that Geico not only saves people money but also has been providing great service for over 75 years, she thinks it's obvious you should switch. Because yes, switching to Geico is a no-brainer. Pity the innermost nesting doll and her lot in life.